The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. We're going to continue our study on being servants of the living God. And uh, so far in, in our study, uh, we've defined what a servant is. Uh, we've defined where uh, we are to serve and when we are to serve. And then the next lesson, we, we looked at some prerequisites to serving God. I said first that we must choose to serve God. Uh, this is this is a conscious choice every believer must make. He will obey and serve the Lord. I said, secondly, we must commit to serving God. Um, serving God doesn't happen by accident. It takes a commitment. We must commit to, to serving Him. And then thirdly, we must continue in our service to God. And we looked at the fact that uh, we don't quit. Uh, we are always servants of God. Uh, my children are always my children. They're not going to stop being my children. I am not going to stop being their their dad. And um, every time I stick my nose in their business, I remind them of that. That uh, no matter how old they get, they're still my children. And my grandson gets fascinated by that. He'll say, my mama, you're her daddy? I say, yes, I'm her daddy. And he, he hasn't figured that one out yet. But he's only five, so he'll get there sooner or later. But we don't stop serving God. We don't, we don't, we don't cease being a child of God. If we're truly a child of God, we never stop being a child of God. We might be an estranged child, and we might be an unruly child, but we're always a child. Now this morning, I'd like to consider some of the attributes of being a servant of the living God. So we're going to look at some things this morning. Uh, but before we do, let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you for the great gift of salvation. What a, what a privilege it is, Lord, to, to stand here and, and declare that we are your children. And what a comfort it is to know that you will never leave us nor forsake us. That no matter where we go or what we do, Father, you are always with us. And Lord, what a comfort it is to know that you forgive us for our, our faults and weaknesses, and you strengthen us in our times of need. Thank you, Lord, for all these things. Bless us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to look at some of the attributes of service. So number one on your study sheets this morning is this. Service will demand sacrifice. Service will demand sacrifice. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, Jesus said, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. So Jesus clearly declares that we can only serve one master. That our allegiances cannot be split. 
Because if we try to serve two masters, ultimately we will despise one and cling to the other. So we have to understand right off the bat that as God's servants, he needs to be first in our life. Now in order for us to make God first in our life, that is going to require some sacrifices on our part. In the course of serving God, we will have to make many sacrifices. The first one I, I, I noted on your sheet is we will have to make sacrifices concerning companionships. Companionships. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14, Scripture admonishes us, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? Now, certainly we are not to go through life considering ourselves to be superior to other people. We are to be humble, and we are to see ourselves as God sees us. All we are today, all I am is a sinner saved by grace. The only difference between me and an unsaved man is the fact that I'm saved and he's not. I'm no better than him. There's no holiness about me. I am the same as he, save the grace of God. And we need to understand that. However, we do need to make sacrifices concerning our companionships. You know, to, to serve the Lord and to be a faithful servant of Christ may, may cost you your old friends. It will cost you your old lifestyle. Growing up, I had a, I had a, my best friend, his name was Mike Jones. Mike and I were best friends from knee-high to a grasshopper. And in high school, we shared a locker together. We, we, we were always together. We did everything together. We, we, were, we were best friends. And when I got saved, Michael was one of, one of the first people I thought about. And I went to him, and I wanted to share the gospel with him. And... After I'd witnessed to him and, and gave him the gospel, he stood up, he walked over to his door, and he opened the front door to his house, and he said, get out. And as I was going through, he said, don't ever come back. You know, if you are going to serve the Lord, it's going to cost you some things. It's going to cost you your old friends. Your old friends won't feel comfortable around you anymore, and you won't feel comfortable around them anymore. It's going to cost you your old lifestyle. We will no longer be able to continue in the old paths that we once walked. We won't be able to do it anymore. Not, not if you truly want to serve the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, Paul writes, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And that word creature means creation. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. 
Behold, all things are become new. Listen, when God redeemed me, he made a new creation inside of me. The old man is still here. The old flesh is still here. The old nature is still here. I, you know, if I'm not careful, I can find myself at times thinking just like I thought before I was saved. Because this is the same flesh. Now this flesh will be redeemed. On that day when, when the Lord returns and calls us to be with Him in the air, the, the Bible says this corruptible will put on incorruption. And this flesh will be changed. And it will be changed into sinless, into sinlessness. But right now, it's still the same old sinful flesh it always was. And that old nature is still in there too. And that's why Paul said daily he had to buffet his body. Daily he had to bring himself into subjection. And daily he had to remind himself of the new nature that God implanted in him when he was born again. And that being the nature of Christ. But we no longer walk in those old paths as we once did. And so service to God is going to demand a sacrifice of our companionships. But also, secondly, it's going to demand a sacrifice of opportunities. So the second bullet point on your, on your study sheet is the word opportunities. Now I'd like for you to turn with me please to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 and I'm going to read, I'm going to read the first eight verses. So I want you to just read along with me silently. Philippians <laughs> chapter 3 beginning at verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any, man, if any other man thinketh that he hath, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. So Paul's going to boast here for a moment. Paul's going, to, Paul's going to tell us his characteristics before he was saved. Okay, here, here, here he goes. He says, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So he's, he's, he's talking about here, the opportunities he had within the Jewish structure, within their religious structure. He, was a, he said he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a Pharisee. He was blameless under the law. Okay, now look at verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Opportunities. We may have to sacrifice opportunities. 
Uh, our priorities change. Once, once I got saved, all of my priorities changed. The things that were important to me before seemed to not be so important anymore. My priorities changed. Expectations changed. God's expectations upon you change. Your expectations upon yourself change. Priorities, uh, I'm sorry, proprieties change. What do I mean by proprieties? Doing the right thing. See, no longer do we, no longer do we, are we comfortable with doing lying or, 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 or cheating to get an advantage on the job. Hmm? Ethics become important. Our, our priorities change. We, we seek to glorify God. Our expectations change. We feel we are convicted and we feel guilty when we do wrong. These things all begin to happen to us as God's children when we seek to, to serve Him and, and want to be considered servants of the living God. Our opportunities will be sacrificed. The things we used to do without conscience now convict us. But not only do we sacrifice in the area of companionships and opportunities, but also, thirdly, relationships. Service will demand sacrifice in our relationships. In Matthew chapter 10, we read, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. <laughs> For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Jesus said that when we seek to serve him, it is going to affect the relationships in our life. Things changed in, 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 in my relationships once, once I got saved. Uh, my, I, I tried to witness to my father. He resented it. My mother was, was deeply offended by my implication to them that they needed a savior. My <coughs> relationship with my brother and sisters changed and things were not always the same and, and I had to make a choice. <clears throat> I had to choose what was more important to me. Was, was serving God and being in His will more important than the relationships in my life? Who meant more? Who was more important? Was it God? Or was it my family? And listen... As a servant of the Lord, you are going to be forced to make that choice. You see, no longer did my sister invite me to her house for her Christmas parties each year. Every, every other family member got an invitation, but not me. And, and things in my family just changed. Their, their opinion of me, and their, their attitude toward me changed. But you see... I decided it was more important that I have God's approval rather than their approval. 
Now that doesn't mean, again, that doesn't mean I, I think I'm better than them, or I'm holier than them, or I, I look down my nose at them. It simply means that I had to make a conscious choice to obey and serve the Lord with my life and to glorify Him by my actions. And that meant that I couldn't continue my relationship with my family the way that I once did. About two weeks after I got saved, my, my, my wife's brothers invited me to go hunting with them. And so we went. And after we were done, we were, in the back, we were sitting in the back of the pickup truck. This was, this was in the days when you could ride in the back of a pickup truck without getting arrested. And we were riding in the back of the pickup truck, and my brother-in-law handed me a beer. And I looked at that beer, and he said, here, come on, what do you got? You got religion now? You too good now? And I just grabbed it, and I said, I don't need this. I'm a servant of God. And I hurled it out the back of the truck and threw it away. It's the last time he ever offered me a beer. From that point forward, he knew exactly where I stood. Now, was our relationship the same after that moment? No. We were still kind to one another, and we still, we still cared about one another, but there was, not, there was not a camaraderie there. And to, to, to be a servant of God, you're going to have to make sacrifices. And some of those sacrifices will be your relationships. Now, now let, me, let me get even a little more personal. I want to speak to married couples right now. <coughs> maybe your spouse is here with you. Maybe your spouse is not. Married couples, you need to understand that if your husband or your wife is seeking to serve the Lord, that you need to be supportive of that And you need to allow them to do that. I've seen so many times, so many times people, men, fall out of being a servant of the Lord, fall out of doing the things they should do because their wife is at home and she's upset with him because he's spending all his time working in the church. And vice versa. I've seen women who who won't do the things that They have opportunity to do for the Lord because their husband is too jealous and doesn't want them getting involved in those kind of things. Well, you know, first of all, let me say this. Be supportive of your spouse. If if he or she wants to serve the Lord, encourage it. Be supportive. And more than that, learn how to do it yourself. Uh, Just just be there. some of you here might be, you might have a spouse who's not a believer and who really has problems with some of the things you do and are involved in. Well, serving God takes sacrifices, as I said. And, and you know, the scripture talks about that. The scripture talks about how if you have an unbelieving spouse, then you are to show them all the love and attention and affection you need at home. But you are to serve God. And God is to be first in your life. So this is important. As, as a married 
couple, sometimes you're going to have to sacrifice time to serve the Lord. Sometimes you're going to have to sacrifice treasure, your money or your possessions. Sometimes you're going to have to sacrifice your talent. You're going to have to use what God, the talents and abilities God has given you. You use them in His service. And sometimes these will strain our relationships. My wife isn't here, so I'm going to tell this story. But we were saved not long. Well, I was saved not long. She wasn't saved yet. And I started going out on visitation on Thursday evenings, and I'd leave the house every Thursday. And after a while, one night she said, I'm tired of you leaving every, every Thursday night like this. She said, you go out that door, I won't be here when you get back. And this is what I told her. I said, Patsy, I love you. I love you with all my heart, but you're not my God. And I need to do this because I need to serve my Lord. And I left. I was, I was one scared hombre, I'm going to tell you. I prayed the whole time. I prayed, Lord, please let her be home when I get home. And when I got home, she was sitting there crying. And the Holy Spirit grabbed hold of her and changed her heart. And it wasn't too long after that she trusted the Lord and got saved. And after that, she would serve the Lord. Every opportunity she had. You see, we have to be willing to make the sacrifices, no matter what they are, in order to serve the Lord. And we need to trust Him for the results of that. So, Service will require sacrifice. Number two, service will lead to suffering. And by the way, those of you who know my wife know that she is a great servant of the Lord. For 26 years, she sat in that corner room over there every Sunday morning and taught the two and three-year-olds their Sunday school class. So the Lord really changed her, and, and the Lord will change anyone who is willing to submit to him and and give him control of their life. But number two, service will lead to suffering. 2 Timothy chapter 3, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Did you hear what Paul said? All, not some, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Not not might, not maybe, shall. Now, if you just choose to blend in to this world, if you choose to stay out of the line of fire and just comply with this world's expectations, then you you may not suffer persecution. You might escape the persecution. But there's something you need to know. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, If the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, 
But I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Listen, if you are a child of God, you will never, and I emphasize the word never, be accepted or loved by this world. If you are truly a child of God, the world is never going to accept you and the world is never going to love you because Jesus said that the world will hate you because it hates him. You may escape persecution, but you will never escape the hatred that is shown to believers unless unless you deny the Lord. Unless you live your life so devoid of Christianity. Unless you conduct yourself in such a way that no one could possibly even suspect you're a believer. Then you're not going to escape the hatred that comes from the world. But even if you deny the Lord, that doesn't work out so well either. Turn with me to Luke chapter 22. Let's all turn together. Luke chapter 22. (laughs) And let's begin at verse number 54. Luke chapter 22, verse 54. Then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and and said, This man was also with him. And he denied, saying, Woman, I knew, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of one hour after another confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how that he said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. See, Peter sought to escape the persecution of of the world by denying Jesus. But it didn't work out, did it? The world recognized him as a follower of Christ. And because of that, they hated him. And Peter made the choice to deny Jesus and escape the persecution. But he could not escape the hatred. And neither will you, neither will I. Now, this is a cost that not many are willing to pay. I have seen many over the years choose not to serve. And they made this choice because they were not willing to pay the cost of persecution or suffering. But we must consider the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 12, we read, Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Philippians tells us that Jesus became obedient even unto the death of the cross. The horrible death of crucifixion. Let me read this to you. Crucifixion was most often performed to dissuade its witnesses from perpetrating similar crimes. Victims were sometimes left on display after death as a warning to any other potential criminals. Crucifixion was usually intended to provide a death that was particularly slow, painful, gruesome, humiliating, and public, using whatever means were most expedient for that goal. Crucifixion methods vary considerably with location and time. While a crucifixion was an execution, it was also a humiliation by making the condemned as vulnerable as possible. Although artists have traditionally depicted the figure on a cross with a loincloth or a covering, the person being crucified was usually stripped naked. Frequently, the legs of the person executed were broken or shattered with an iron club. This act hastened the death of the person, but was also meant to deter those who observed the crucifixion from committing offenses. Crucifixion wasn't just a death. It was an annihilation. And Jesus endured that suffering in obedience to the will of the Father. And you and I, we too must endure suffering for the cause of Christ. So if we will be servants of God, we must be willing to suffer. But thirdly, and lastly, let me say this, service will result in selflessness. Turn with me quickly one more time to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. And we'll begin at verse number 1. We read here, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Service to the Lord breeds compassion in the heart of his children. When we serve others, we are emulating Jesus Christ, our Lord. And as we read in Galatians, we seek to help those around us. Not exalt ourselves, but rather lift those that are weary. Isaiah chapter 35 tells us this. Strengthen ye the weak hands, and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a filthful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. But while I am here, allow me to give us a warning as well. Look at verses 4 and 5 of Galatians chapter 6. 
We read here, but let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. At first reading of this, it sounds like the Lord is telling us to prove our own work, and, and all. That. but what he's saying is that he's given a comparison. He says, when a man thinks that he's so great, he begins to, he begins to exalt himself. He begins to find strength in himself alone and in his own works. But Jesus is telling us here that we are not to behave that way. While we are busy serving others and being selfless, we had better not forget to look to our own souls. I've been in the ministry 37 years, and in those years, I've, I've worked alongside of a lot of good Christian people who are so selfless in the fact that they want to help everybody around them, everybody except themselves. Listen, let me remind you of something today. Your first ministry is at home. If you're a husband, serve the Lord. Oh yes, but don't forsake your family. Your first ministry is at home. Your wife, your children. That's your first ministry. And you're not to forsake them for your ministry in the church. Let me say this. God has given you the ability to minister to both. God has given you the ability to be a good servant in the church and a good husband and a good father. And you need to use the strength of the Lord to accomplish that. You need to make sure you don't forsake things like prayer, devotions, Bible study. Take time to feed your own soul too. We had a man here who was a bus captain. He, he, was, he was on fire. He was all excited. But he forsook his own self. He forsook his family. He forsook his, his home. And ultimately, not only did he not have his ministry, but he didn't have his home either. So we need to be careful of this. Serving the living God will teach us to love and serve others also. And it is this selfless life that God will use to further his work. This selfless life is a life of compassion. And that's what we need. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Galatians 5.13 for brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tender heart, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Romans chapter 15 and verse 14. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. We are to have compassion. And serving God will breathe this into our lives. We will become selfless. And we will love all around us and we will help those around us. And God will make sure that we are taken care of also. So serving God, the, some of the attributes, we'll continue these attributes as we go through the coming weeks. Uh, but let us remember these things today as we attempt to be servants of the living God. All right, folks, thank you for being here. It's time to dismiss, so uh, see you in 10 minutes.
Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.